Welcome to Get Up in the Cool, old-time music with Cameron DeWitt and friends. This week's friend is Brad Kolodner. Brad was my guest for episode one, and this is episode 101, and I feel very sentimental about that. I love having guests return on the show because we get past the basic, how did you get into old-time question, and uh, into the good stuff. And Brad has lots of good stuff to share, especially about why he's an old-time music organizer and community builder. Stick around afterwards, and I'll tell you where you can learn more about Brad's many exciting projects and how to support Get Up in the Cool and get exclusive bonus content. But first, here's my second interview and jam with Brad Kalodner. Enjoy. Clotter, welcome back to Get Up in the Cool. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, thanks for having me again in, yeah. your, in your office. <laughs> That's right. Welcome back. We yeah. were here probably three years ago. Yeah, 
or thereabouts. Two, three, maybe. When did I you start know. the podcast? It was episode number one, so. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and uh, at that time, when I when I had you on the show, I didn't know that you were like a DJ, and like you were like basically like I don't know my second or third interview mm. ever. And uh, I think you were a second interview ever. Yeah, I'm very judgmental, you know, all the time. So, no, I, 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 whatever. No, I, I just I just remember thinking like, oh, man, Brad's like really good at this, like talking on the air thing. <laughs> um, but uh, so you you record your show. Yeah, right so I, I host a, a weekly show, two weekly shows on WAMU's Bluegrass Country, which is now known as Bluegrass Country Radio down in Washington, D.C. Yeah. And I've been doing that for about five years, and I record an old-time program here in my studio, uh, three hours of old-time music, mostly contemporary old-time recordings. Yeah. And then I do a Bluegrass and Americana show that airs every Wednesday from 12 to 3, also mostly contemporary progressive bluegrass bands, new, new recordings last cool. five years or so is one of the token young DJs at the station. They they like me to play the, the new music that's out there, you know, what the kids are listening to. So I do the I do the, the Wednesday show, 12 to 3, Bluegrass and Americana, and then an old-time show every Friday from 12 to 3. And you can listen online anywhere at bluegrasscountry.org. Yeah, you can just stream it live. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Yep. Do they have archives as well, too? They do. Or? For a couple weeks, you can go back and listen to some old shows, but yeah. they don't have archives going way back. Right, but, right. Uh, we have a, a great number of videos on our YouTube channel as well that uh, are really nice, that are, you know, well shot. And it's That's my favorite part of the, the job is, yeah. is actually getting to interview bands and bring in performers and have these little private concerts in the in the studio and get to ask them questions about yeah. their music. I'm sure you can relate to those those feelings. Um, it's any, a lot of fun to, to bring in bands. Any exciting like guests that you've had recently or coming up? Yeah. Well, we have a few coming up this summer, um, but let's see. The most recent one I did was with Dom Flemons. Oh, uh, he just released a new yeah. album on the Smithsonian Folkways label. And so that was the second time he's been on the show. He's always, he's always a fun guest. Yeah. And I've had, you know, all kinds of different bands, whether it's, you know, old time duos like, you know, Richie Stearns and Rosie Newton. That was particularly exciting for me because Richie was my first banjo teacher. So it was fun to have him on the show. But I've had bands from overseas. There's a great group from Ireland called I Draw Slow. I'm a big fan of theirs. Oh, yeah. And they did a, a session a couple years ago that's always stuck with me. And um, yeah, it's, it's, I feel really spoiled just being able to call up some of my favorite bands and say, hey, Cahalan Morrison and Eli West, you want to come come in on the radio show? And yeah. they're like, yeah, although I guess not anymore since they don't play together. But, but yeah. you know, there's so many groups out there that um, are eager to have their music shared, and, and it's yeah. fun to have that, that uh, speakerphone for them to, to have their music get out there. Right on. How long have you listened to bluegrass music? Well, you didn't bluegrass is something that I think just by proximity I've right, been right. getting more into lately. Um, the the station where I work, they I've actually even though I play old time primarily, I really yeah. enjoy bluegrass and, and at least the more progressive sides of the bluegrass sure. uh, world. More more of the innovative, you know, songwriting. It does writing. encourage that. It does. Yeah. There's, and there's just so much. Um, there's just so many great players and singers, yeah. and you know, trying to squeeze them into. The old time idiom can be somewhat limiting. In sure, occasionally it, it can work really well, like new, you know, original old time music. There's right. a lot of great new old time music out there as well. But there's so much innovation going on in the bluegrass world these days, in the Americana world, progressive bluegrass world. And so, as I started to work at the station, 
starting, you know, I guess it was 2013, um, I was just exposed to so many more recordings and different yeah. musicians that are out there. We had so many different bands coming through the station, and that's really widened the scope of the stuff that I listen to. I get maybe a dozen new CDs every couple of weeks, so it's a, it's a lot of new stuff to keep up with, all within that bluegrass and Americana old time range. Uh, so it's it's uh, yeah, it's a, it's an area that I've been getting more into. I don't like I said, I don't really play bluegrass. I've right. I mentioned earlier before we started that I've been starting to learn bluegrass banjo for the past four years yeah and i just it's on the top of my to-do list and i just i've been starting to learn fiddle for the past oh years. good yes that's a, a lifetime of struggle so good luck with that thank you <laughs> as a as a relatively new fiddler it's uh, it's a fun challenge but yeah uh, yeah i'll get into bluegrass banjo someday yeah. i don't know i'll probably say it's that for the, the next 50 years but <laughs> Um, I, I do enjoy actually playing claw hammer in bluegrass jams. It's, it can be really fun because it's not an instrument that people expect you to solo on. Right. I mean, we just played Ivan Dord. That's like a bluegrass standard these days. Yeah. And that song actually has a bit of special meaning for me at being from Baltimore and being from Maryland. Ola Bell Reed spent many of her years living up in Rising Sun, Maryland. And uh, it's, it's always nice to to do some tunes and songs that come from come from my home state. Yeah. How, long, how long did she live in Maryland? Uh, a good chunk of her adult life. Um, she moved. She was from Ash County, North Carolina, yeah. and then moved up here, um, mm. and had a whole just compound of up there in uh, Rising Sun, Maryland, with uh, concerts and jams. And my dad, actually, my father Ken, who I was exposed to this music through him initially, he he remembers going to some music parties where she was there, and he didn't really know who she was at the time. I think he was just kind of getting into old time music, yeah. but obviously a legend oh man she seems like such a character in all of the i mean even just in her performances but in between the tunes like if you find live performances recordings uh she just she's really entertaining and very charismatic yeah i would have loved to meet her she has some relatives that still live in the area and will play every year over on the eastern shore of maryland at this cool venue called the mainstay and Uh her niece comes out to the shows that we do there and we play i've endured yeah and she always comes up afterwards and i always forget she's there too i think if i knew she was there i'd be way more intimidated mm. uh, so that's always that's always fun I've, re- I've been recently getting into her stuff a little bit more recently and th- sort of like digging through doing a little more like searching like what are the songs that she sings that uh, no one else does and i found that song um uh, springtime of life that song's awesome. It's like about uh, like a forbidden romance, mm. um, and but like forbidden romance from the female perspective, and like it's like uh, just a super beautiful song. And I'm like learning that, and I'm learning um, fortune or fortunes. Uh, do you know that one? No, I don't know. It's like a it's like a hymn. It's like a it's a very like subversive like kind of like anti-capitalist like him you know it's just like the rich man you know with all the silver yeah. and gold like um nice. isn't rich you know and it's like yeah it's like some good stuff yeah, in there indeed. i'm like i want to keep diving in she seems like a cool lady yeah i never never got the chance to yeah i mean anything but we want to play next man well let's see um so we started with uh i've endured how about um we could do a medley of tunes. We could do the Coleman's March and Snake River Real medley. Great. This is a, a medley of tunes that I recorded with my father on our latest album. Um, so I mentioned earlier that my father plays music, and I grew up around this music and had to listen to it whether I liked it or not. And so these are a couple of tunes that we've been playing together for a while. And uh, the first one, Coleman's March, uh, I think I learned this directly from my dad. Uh, and there, there are actually some really nice Clawhammer versions out there. Kathy Fink is a really nice Clawhammer version mm. of this tune. I think that 
maybe has influenced my approach to this one as well. Um, and uh, Sneaker of a Reel, a fiddle tune that was written by uh, a potter in Arkansas named Peter Lippincott. And it was funny because I was just down in Arkansas playing a gig with uh, uh, the, the group Charm City Junction, yeah. the band that maybe we'll mention, talk about that yeah. later. We've got a new album coming out. And so we were down there in Mountain View, Arkansas on the square. They do these nightly jams every night of the year, or at least when it's warm out, they, they have these jams on the square and old time, bluegrass, all kinds of music. And I sat down and came around to my turn to pick the tune, and I picked Snake River Real, assuming that they, you know, this is an Arkansas tune, right, let's right. play this. And so uh, we, we, we played the tune, and then I said, you know, that's an Arkansas tune, right? And everyone looked at me, and they said, what? Really? They had no <laughs> idea. And they play that, apparently, all the time. So it was kind of funny to, to, uh, to share a little bit of that story behind that. And maybe they'll play it even more now or something. Yeah, yeah so Snake River Real, we'll follow that. I'll do that second in this medley here, so. Let me check my tune. Sure. Still good. Great. Here's uh, Coleman's March. Thank you. 
Oh man, Clawhammer's so goofy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many goofy things you can do. Uh, do so many little licks and <laughs> yeah. it's like it's so funky. I love, I love it. So you and your dad have a new album coming out? No, we, we released a, a new one about a year and a half. Oh, ago. you're okay, okay. We we did that medley. That's what this medley's on. Okay. Great, yes, great. we did that medley. We play that in most of our concerts and uh, yeah. I first heard you play it. After I came recorded you for the first time, I believe you played it at. Uh, yeah, we usually we usually work that into it. We've actually been phasing it out a little bit lately. It's going to uh -huh. take some breaks from <laughs> tunes, but it's always fun to you know in a new context like this to yeah. play some of those tunes that are kind of on the you know, the back of our hand, but yeah. they're just really fun when you get another instrument in the mix. I'd love to ask you about like what it's like to. I've only played with um, a hammer dulcimer player once. I played with Dev mm -hmm. Justice, but like yeah. what. Is there a way that you play differently when you're playing yeah. with your dad? Yeah, so the dulcimer is an instrument that I was not expecting to play with when I first learned banjo. I figured that we would play banjo and fiddle. He yeah. plays fiddle as well. And so that's the classic combo. And, and we didn't really think that the dulcimer and the banjo would be a, a, a nice pairing. Just They're both very percussive and both right. very rhythmic. Right. But we've sort of flipped that around. And because they're both very percussive and rhythmic, there's a lot of sort of subtleties and things that you can kind of bounce off each other. So it is a lot of fun to, to figure out how to stay out of his way. He yeah. has to stay out of my way at times. And he's really great at using what's known as the damper pedal, which is yeah. a, a pedal that mutes the strings, kind of works the opposite of a piano. When you press down on it, it mutes the strings and it gives us this really percussive and rhythmic sound. And so Clawhammer with that rhythm of the the damper dulcimer is really interesting and super groovy. Uh, so we've been we've been having a lot of fun trying to figure out how to blend those two. And, and I'll play gourd banjo sometimes, and that also has like a really thumpy kind of deep sound, which is fun to play uh, in that context. Uh, so yeah, that's that's a that's a, that's an interesting combo that we've been been working on, and uh, we're we're probably going to do a new record within the next year or so. We've, right done, we've done three now. Our first album, Otter Creek, was I think back in 2011. I was just finishing up college. And then we did another one called Skipping Rocks and then our latest one, The Swift House. Yeah. And that also features a couple other uh, musicians in the area who I've been playing with for a good while now. Alex Lacomont, great bass player who uh, used to live right across this wall here in this yeah. in this house. And Rachel Eddy, who's a phenomenal fiddler who I believe has been on your show in, mm -hmm. in the past. And, she, and Alex, yeah. And Alex. Yeah. And, and uh, she lives down in the D.C. area, so it's been fun to bring them into the mix with the dulcimer and the banjo. And, yeah. and uh, I don't actually play with other dulcimer players very often. I feel I don't a bit get a lot of opportunities. Yeah. To, I mean, and also I think they're and, and this might be a better question for my dad, but a lot of hammer dulcimer players, because the hammer dulcimer doesn't necessarily have its role carved out in one genre. Right. You end up getting a lot of hammer dulcimer players who learn a lot of different tunes and a lot of different, uh, you know, repertoire that kind of spans many genres. And I, right. I think one issue that can come up with that is, you know, like my father, he's really studied a lot of old time music and really understands some of the nuances of that yeah. style. So when we're playing together, I can tell that he, he speaks the language of old right. time, not just playing sort of a smattering of different, I mean, although he does play music from all over the world, South America and Chinese music and Israeli music and all kinds of stuff. But he's worked with old time enough that he really, I think, understands the nuances of the genre. Yeah. So that's probably why I've enjoyed playing old time tunes with him because he really gets the I'll bet he gets his, the genre. I'll bet his old time fiddling is in, probably informed his dulcimer sure. playing yeah, a lot. Absolutely, just being in that in that yeah. world and immersing himself in that climate of, of specifically old time, which is something that 
um, you know, I, I mostly, like I said earlier, mostly just play old time music, mm -hmm. um, but I certainly love drawing in influences from other genres as well. Like bluegrass, you know, of course it's not that different than a lot of the language that we use in old time, but there's so much more improv and soloing and just, just a lot of virtuoso right. type players who can, there's a lot to learn. And even in just the tune we just played, like there's a lot of improvising and there's bouncing space off in each there other. Some fun stuff. It's yeah. not just like necessarily sinking into that groove and kind of playing the tune. Right. Uh, mostly the same way each time we're, you know, it's a lot of fun to like listen closely to each other and feed off of that and have a musical conversation beyond just like driving ahead. Although I love doing that too. And that's why I love going to old time festivals yeah. just to sit down and yeah. put my head down and just like bear forward. Yeah. <laughs> just kind of what it's like sometimes. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Patrick is like primarily a bluegrass fiddler from Charm City. Junction. Yeah, Patrick Avenue. Yeah. yeah, he is definitely a bluegrass fiddler. In fact, he was named the IBMA Fiddle Player of the Year last oh year. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, so he's he's the real deal bluegrass fiddle player, and he also lived right across the wall. <laughs> um, Alex um, lived here as recently as this past fall, and then Patrick was in that room before when I moved into this house about four years ago now. Um, Patrick and Alex and I were living here and that's that was kind of the beginning of Trump City Junction this yeah. band that we started about um, four or five years ago and, and we just actually are about to release a new album I'm sure by the time this airs it'll be out um, yeah. a new album called Duck Pin which features uh, a bunch of original tunes we have an accordion player in the band Sean McComiskey who's really well known in the Irish traditional world and so we've got a we've got a new record that's we're really excited about we, we did our debut album about three years ago so it's time for a new one and we've got six original tunes we've got um you know a couple traditional old-time tunes and we've got like some covers like a john prine cover and we've got a cover from one of our good friends in the old-time world mark kiliansky oh really he, he which a, one he does this song called boozy, oh, boozy Susie. Susie. very good yes and so we covered it and that's it's really fun and silly and has the accordion and claw hammer and fiddle and bass it's a really it's a really fun track and awesome. then, uh, yeah so it's it's a it's a it's a an, an album that we're very excited about getting out there what is the what where does this name come from duckpin duckpin is well they're in baltimore and there are a few places on the east coast where duckpin bowling is very popular it's like a, a a bowling pin that's smaller than your normal bowling pin and the ball that you use is is like the size of a grapefruit huh as opposed to like basketball size you know so it's a it's a type of bowling that's really popular here in Baltimore. I grew up going to Duckpin bowling alleys with my family. You know that's where I had like we'd have our birthday parties yeah. in like the local Duckpin bowling alley. You could uh, play Duckpin and eat pit beef. No, Isn't that a thing? I don't know. I don't pit know beef about that. in the Baltimore thing. Okay. Not really. Not that no. I'm aware. Crabs would be the, the right. that's the main sense. one here. So duckpin bowling and crabs are like two very iconic <laughs> Baltimore images. And we were trying to go for something that had. A Baltimore connection um, and there's also a beer that's brewed by a local brewery up the street called Union Craft Brewery that's like the main local brewery and they have my favorite beer in Baltimore is called Duckpin yeah so that's that's also another thing that you know and we actually just we just handed them a CD we gave them a CD yeah. like last week we went over <laughs> to the brewery and we're like hey we named our album Duckpin of course we were naming it after the bowling bowling but yeah 
they they got a kick out of it. So yeah. maybe we'll play there. They're like, day. we're gonna see you. <laughs> yeah, they were like, cool, cool, man. <laughs> we'll see you in court. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, nah, no, nah, it's not copyright. <laughs> yeah, I guess you can't copyright. Nah, no. Nah. Name. I hope yeah. not. Yeah. We may have to redact this section of the right uh, of the podcast if it turns out that there is actually some legal things for. Oh man, I hope I don't get in trouble someday. There's so many like just like tunes. Fair use, you're good. Yeah, you're, you're good in here. Um, I want to talk about more about this house, but let's play. What, what do you want to do next? Sure. Um, let's do um, let's do a song that we could do one that's off of the new Charm City Junction album. Great. Um, we could do Hop High. Mm. Uh, that's a song that uh, I've been singing for a few years, and we recorded it with Charm City Junction, um, which also, you know, in that band, there's, like I said, an accordion player, bass, fiddle, and I'm playing banjo, but let's do a, let's do yeah. a double banjo version. Let me grab my other banjo. I'm playing my, um, this is an Enoch um, Dobson banjo the one that I've been playing, it actually has a little resonator on the back, mm. um, which is a lot of fun because it gives the banjo an extra little punch. And I've picked up my other Enoch Dobson. This was the first like really nice banjo that I, mm. that I acquired. I, I played Adam Hurt's Enoch Dobson at a banjo uh, concert, you know, maybe seven or eight years ago and really fell in love with the, the Dobson sound. And so I picked up my, I guess it's a, 2011 or 2012 Enoch Dobson. Hmm. Um, although I'm about to, probably about to sell it, which is hard to hard to do selling your, your first nice instrument. I might yeah. hang on to it. I might not. But I'm ha Kevin's building a new banjo for me um, that has some new features like a radius fingerboard and yeah. it's going to have a, a resonator that hopefully that's like built into the instrument, um, a removable, a flush fit resonator that just isn't big like a bluegrass resonator but smaller, right. and then. Um, just has a couple other little features that I'm excited about. So, um, what's what's the yeah? What's the benefit of having a radius fingerboard? Well, you know, most most uh, fret instruments have radius fingerboards. Right. Um, you know, banjos. It's for some reason I don't know what the history is, but banjos are usually flat fingerboards. Yeah. Um, but when you have a radius, it kind of matches the curve of your hand. You know, if you hold out your hand and you kind of like make a right. claw shape, you know, right. you're, you know, there's a natural sort of curve from your pinky up to your index and to your thumb. And so mm. having that radius on the fingerboard is a little more, it's just a little bit more efficient when you're, especially when you're playing up the neck and, and as you like to do, and as I like to do on claw hammer, playing up the neck is, is an area of the instrument. Um, I'm frequently trying to figure out melodies and play, you know, quick, quick things up right. the neck. And so being able to hop over the strings, Interesting. um, a lot of bluegrass banjo players, especially ones who are more, uh, melodic yeah. uh, will use radius like you know yeah. Fleck and Nome Pekelny and Jens Kruger and all these uh, you know Alison Brown a lot of great banjo players who have radius fingerboards for that for that reason and not that I'm playing super complex stuff up the neck but it's you know nothing like any of those players I just mentioned but there are certainly when I I picked up a radius fingerboard banjo at a I think it was IBMA, International Bluegrass Music Association convention a few years ago. It was actually this ohm that's sitting right here. And I, I played it. It has a little radius fingerboard. And I when I was playing up the neck, I was like, wow, this is so easy. Huh. You can move around without like bumping into the strings and just kind of fits your hand a little better. So that's, that's we're getting a little deep into the banjo no, I like nerd it. weeds here. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, mandolins and guitars, they and you know, of course, violins and right. string instruments have radius fingerboards. Hmm. Um, you know, I would be willing to bet that anybody who's got a guitar at home and has a little curve in the, 
in the in the fingerboard if you just look down the neck you'll see it and that's just you know so you can fit your hand around it interesting so anyway this is my flat fingerboard on my my old dobson um we're going to do a, a tune here that we recorded on the new trump junction album it's called hop high and i think i first heard this on a dirk powell recording and have been just enjoying this song for for a good while it, it only has like two notes in it but they're really fun two notes to play yeah. <laughs> i'm a sort of a sucker for those tunes that just don't have a ton of melody but a, a lot of room for improv and goofing off sometimes the notier the tune the harder it can be right. to, to to you know find variations and keep the melody intact so All right, here is Hop High, my Lulu Gaff.
to like have fun on purpose. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it, is, it is nice to play with another Clawhammer player yeah. who's uh, listening closely and playing yeah. up the neck. It's uh, it's really really fun. So this house has has a special name. That's right. It's called the Tater Patch. How long have you been calling it the Tater Patch? Ooh, I think pretty shortly after I moved in. Okay. We have a local jam every two weeks that my father and I have been running out for five years. And one of our favorite tunes to play is called Tater Patch. Yeah. It's a really simple tune. I'm sure a number of your listeners are familiar with yeah. it. It's Do you sing goofy. Tater Patch over it? We actually have some improvised lyrics. Yes. Okay, very yes. good. But you'll have to come to the jam okay. to hear it. I'm not going to do them right now. I'm a little, No spoilers. I don't think I'm... Yeah. It's, you have to be in the right state of mind to do the, the gotcha. lyrics. They're really silly. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. It, it's a, it's sort of a running joke that that's like our, our tune in the, in the jam and... At the house, we, we've played it a lot, and yeah. we actually formed a band called the Tater Patch Kids. I think that Very might nice. have been the origin <laughs> of that name, Tater Patch, because we were we were asked to play a local contra dance. Uh, the four of us who were living here at the time, Patrick McAvenue, who now lives in in Nashville, he plays with a bluegrass band called Dilly and Vincent these days, but he still plays with Charm City Junction and goes out on the yeah. road with us every now and then when he can. And then Alex Lacamont plays bass and then Luke Chohani who's a really good guitar player singer plays mandolin so the four of us lived here together for about two and a half years yeah. almost three years and we we played like one gig as a quartet uh -huh. it's a really fun band <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of good musicians in that in that crew so yeah. we just never you know played formal gigs but we had one gig it was a contra dance and we were asked to play um, you know, we had to come up with a name. So instead of just using our names, we came up with Tater Patch Kids. So this house over the years has really become a, a hub for a lot of the local old time yeah. um, hangouts. You know, whether it's, you know, I, I throw, you know, maybe two or three bigger parties each year where we have living room square dances and jams and people just... How many squares every can room you get in the house playing in your living room? Uh, we can fit two squares. Two squares? Two squares. We kind of awesome. move the furniture yeah, out. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, there's always musicians at the parties. So, yeah. you know, having having a square dance in our in our parties is... Uh, some of the neighbors, I'm sure, they get a little irritated when Love. they hear the house shaking at like again. one in the morning. <laughs> I get a little nervous too. I, I see those floorboards like bouncing up and down and, you know, like, oh no, we're going to fall through the floor. But it's <laughs> yet to happen. But, uh, Have you ever had like noise complaints here? We, we've had a we've had a couple okay. a couple complaints. I mean, we, it's we like try string to, instruments, but string instruments, acoustic. They're they're much much more much yeah. more quiet than your your you know plugged in amplified instruments. But yeah. I, I understand there. Right, it's right. very rational to not want to hear like banjo and fiddle music late at night uh, when you're trying to go to sleep <laughs> every night. We we don't actually play a ton, but when we do, um, you yeah. know, if we, we we're respectful, you know, we, yeah. we we will go downstairs play in the basement if we want to jam late. Um, but there are definitely a few times a year when we'll just kind of yeah. say, nah, we want to have a party and just play tunes. They're, they're very totally. civilized. It's you know, square dancing is like about as rowdy as it'll get. Right. But that is pretty rowdy. Right. But it's a it's a fun time. So when I when I bought this house, I was. My intention was to was to create a, a really welcoming and inviting and yeah. old time music focused music in general environment. There are all kinds of jams here over the years, whether it's um, you know jazz or bluegrass or we've had a bunch of Irish musicians over here. Um, and I also, when I moved in, a, a big goal was to put on house concerts. And so we've been doing um, house concerts every month since I moved oh, in. Right we've, we've done I think over thirty now and awesome. had bands from. All over the world, uh, it's really, really fun to have a vent. It's not, I don't really think of it as a venue, but 
uh, a spot where, where a band can come in and there's a packed house. We can fit about 50 people. Yeah. And I'd say most of them are full. Uh, the word has spread now. We've awesome. been doing them for a while and they're always on weeknights. So uh, it's sort of an off night for a band that's that's touring through looking for a gig in Baltimore. Yeah. And I just say, hey, just play in my living room. Acoustic, you'll have 40 or 50 new fans yeah. and they'll they'll pitch in 20 bucks each and you'll walk away you know, with a, with a nice gig, you know, uh, take and, uh, you know, come back and, and play in Baltimore at a bigger venue sometime down the road or play the house concert again. So we've had all kinds of bands here. Those are my favorite, some of my favorite nights at this house mm. when we bring in bands. And I, I actually did some of the math and we've had um, over 30 shows. We've had over a thousand people come to concerts here uh. over the past few years, which is kind of scary to think about all those people in my house. But it's been a great way to meet, meet people yeah. and, and just... You know, demonstrate that this music has, uh, you know, really respect the music. People are quiet and listening, um, but also um, just, you know, the intimate setting can really turn on a lot of people in Baltimore to this kind of music. That's mm. my, my long-term goal, of course, is to build the local scene and get people excited about not yeah. just old time, but, you know, roots music, acoustic, you know, bluegrass or Irish music or Americana, whatever you want to call it. I'm very... Uh very impressed impressed by you um it's it's really neat that you not a lot usually people kind of have to choose whether they're going to be sort of community organizers or like you know um uh dedicated musicians and it's like really cool that you that you do both so well that's really awesome thank you no, yeah. i appreciate it i i love playing music i think that's where my heart yeah. really sits is, is playing tunes and, yeah. and developing uh, you know, learning new repertoire and playing with other people and the social, the social side of music. But yeah. with that, I don't think the organizing side and playing music are exclusive of one another. Sure. In a lot of ways, by trying to bolster the local community, it really just I think helps every musician who's playing as just you know amateur, casual for fun, or you're a professional trying to make a living totally. playing music. I think it's really helpful to have a number of events that just get people excited about playing. They'll come to concerts and in turn, you know, maybe they'll show up to your concerts and buy tickets and your recordings and stuff or, or take lessons. But right. my goal with the events isn't so much to benefit my own sure. personal career. I don't, I don't actually like the, this, I run this Baltimore square dance too. And the jam and the house concerts, those are all just volunteer, you know, I don't get paid yeah. for any of those things. Those are just fun parties that yeah. I want to throw. And they're kind of selfish in many ways. I just want to have a jam to go to. Yeah. You know, and so we started You're the jam. You're throwing a party that yeah. you want to go to. Exactly. And yeah. like the square dance that we yeah. had last night, Cameron, you and uh, uh, Jake Blunt and uh, Brian Farrow and Noah Bowman were all playing and sounding great. And that was a, you know, it's just like, uh, I get to hear a great old time band and get to dance with a bunch of friends. It's yeah. kind of selfish, but it's, you know, it's a little bit of work that goes into it, but it's, it pays off in the, in the, getting to just be a wallflower and see all these people enjoying themselves and getting excited about old time music whether or not they realize what they're getting into um just showing up at a house concert or a square dance or a jam they're just excited about the the social side of people being happy playing music together and uh totally it's, it's and the concerts to... and the dances too i feel like are especially the things that make the music accessible to non-musicians or yes. to musicians outside of the tradition which i think is often one of the weaknesses of like this uh this tradition of playing mm. is like it's sometimes a little bit hard to navigate you know like where the jams are happening and like yeah how to find out about them or where to see the music you know right. like just the other day um someone was like um 
I was talking to my old boss and she was saying, Hey, I was telling, I was telling my mom that you spend all your time going to these like old time festivals, you know? And then I was like, and she, and she was like, and my mom wants to go to one. And I was like, huh, she wants to go to an old time festival. How would I like get her like the information and answer all of her questions about like how to make that happen for her, you know? And then like a lot of them aren't even like, you know, publicly like, advertised or anything it's just like you have to like move and shake in like the community in order to find out so it's so neat that you're like making all these like access points yeah for people to fall in love with the music but Thank like you. they need to have a way in i there's a much larger world out there than the old time community yes. and i have great friends who play old time music and i respect what they do i love i love them and, and, yeah. I, and i enjoy the old time world in yeah. many ways but at the same time I recognize that most people are not going to play old time music. They're not going to go to those those little sure. old time festivals. Yeah. You know, people they just want to have a fun time and and have an excuse to hang out with their friends and listen to music and I try not to take the more academic approach with old time in general. I, I try to make it really accessible and open and still inform people about its history and yeah. and you know the the music and where it comes from and, and its role in, in today's society but I don't that's not how I start the conversation it's yeah. like I want people to come <laughs> yeah, and experience yeah. a square dance and and or come to the jam and experience what it's like to just listen to a bunch of people playing music together yeah and if it just means that they just have a smile on their face for that night and they go home and they never come back to another event that's fine you know yeah. there's so many people especially in a big city like Baltimore I feel you know very grateful to live in a place where there are lots of people who are willing to give a square dance a shot or willing yeah. to come to a house concert and there are a lot of folks here who are just looking for something that's maybe an alternative to yeah. going out to the bars or you know whatever and uh it's uh, it's exciting to, to to be in a place where there's a lot of creative energy and a lot of uh, folks who are willing to give just quirky things a chance and yeah. um it's been inspiring having grown up here and now really uh, living here and you know i'm planning to hang around for a little while you know i'm always <laughs> excited by other places around the country but sure. I'm, I'm particularly connected to baltimore is where my family is from and yeah or my family you know i grew up here with my sister and my folks or my folks live two miles away yeah so it's always really nice um, there was a point i was going to make earlier um about the approach to old time music that i you, you said earlier that it can be tough to balance the you know, like playing, but also organizing events and how, you know, yeah. I made the point about rising tides kind of lifting all boats. But um, I think it's it's in some ways, I, I feel sort of a responsibility as, yeah. as someone who I enjoy organizing, enjoy the logistics and putting together events. I almost feel like it's my responsibility to facilitate like ways for people to en enter into the scene. I, I want this music to stay yeah. around for a while and I want people to do their own things with it too. And I don't want to tell people how they're supposed to play old time or, you know, mm. what is traditional or authentic or whatever. I'm, I'm definitely very much on the progressive side of whether it's bluegrass or old time. Yeah. I want, I just want people to have that entry point and then where they go from there. Go, is up to yes. And I'm not, I don't want to control that, but yeah. I want to at least provide the platform for people to, to uh, just be exposed to it. Yeah. Well, you kept on making the, like <laughs> the, the, dis like the disclaimer, but maybe it's selfish or something. And like, but it seems like it's like just the opposite of like solipsistic. Like you have like a very, your effects are very zoomed out, you know? And I think that's really cool. Like, um, that you've, yeah, I think it's cool what you're doing. Thanks Thank for you. what you're doing, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. And I, as a musician, I really like 
to be able to provide an outlet for my fellow musician friends yeah. when they're coming through town. Yeah. I mean, you probably get requests. I think a lot of full-time musicians or people who play out a lot, they probably get requests all the time. You know, where can we play in Philly or where should we play in New York yeah. or in Portland or wherever? And I get requests all the time to play, you know, in Baltimore. And I, I want to be able to support, I want to be able to frame this music in a way that treats it very seriously and, and says this is a viable art form that is worth money. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. not to say that it always has to be for like capitalistic reasons. I mean, right, right, and right. that's not my end goal, I guess, but I want to be able to, I don't, I don't want the music, you know, bands coming through full-time touring bands. I want them to have a legitimate opportunity to play where they can actually like make a decent amount of money and support themselves and be able to continue what they're doing. Yeah. And, um, I, you know, and, and in result, as in turn, maybe when I travel around, yeah. you know, they, you know, help, help out with some gigs and opportunities too. And so there's, there's a lot of ways that we can all, you know, help each other. I think competition is the last thing I want to have totally in this, in music in general. It's just not, not healthy. So, yeah, there's not like not enough of us to <laughs> have that attitude. No, exactly. There's, there's too few, you know? <laughs> Yeah, like don't don't yeah, yeah you know not skip. that I would encourage that necessarily otherwise, but you know, yeah, right, <laughs> gotta They'll, stick together. I will say though, in in and this is all great, and and I love organizing these events, but one thing that I do, I'm a little concerned about, at least mm. in Baltimore, is is I don't want to feel like I have a monopoly on the local scene. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, so I, I run the dance and the jam and the house concerts, and one thing that I've tried to be more conscious of later, uh, more uh, recently is trying to make it so that I don't feel like I'm like sucking all the air out of sure. other folks in town who maybe want to organize events, put on jams and yeah. concerts. Um, and so one little response to that um, concern is I've been sending out for the past couple of years these you know, calendar listings, you know, I send out this email every two yeah. weeks. It's like the Baltimore old time events calendar, right? you know, and, and anybody can submit you know, events and basically I just, as long as it's within the old time or bluegrass kind of realm. Um, and I have a website that I've called be more old time.com mm. and you can go Very and good. look at the, you can look at the calendar yeah. of events and it lists all the venues in town and, and all the, you know, the, just the, the events that are old time related. So trying yeah. in some ways being conscious of like, I don't, yeah, I don't feel like I like own the old time scene here. You know, I want to make sure that it, in, in, in some ways, like, uh, if other people want to put on events, like, please, you know, it'd be great. I'd love to have more jams in town. I'd love to have more of that. And if there are ways to, you know, pair up and work with people and, and to you know, help out in that regard, I'm all for it. Man, everything you're saying just keeps getting better. That's awesome. That's such a great, like, yeah, attitude to have. Uh, one of my favorite sayings, um, my wife and her friend Amy my wife, Becca, like they, when they're hosting each other and they're like, kind of like spoiling each other, um, or like trying to like pay for each other's meals or whatever, they'll be like, you're taking all the giving. <laughs> like, like, let me do some of the mm. like hosting. And like, that's really cool that you're yeah. like, um, yeah, that you have that in mind. And like, that's great balanced perspective yeah, that's cool you. so we're the the next big project uh for us in town and i say us as in my father and i um we're working on a uh, old-time festival it's going to happen yeah. here next spring next march 22nd and 23rd i believe and it's like the third weekend in march or something like that 
the weekend after St. Patrick's Day. And there's a venue downtown called the Creative Alliance that we play at every year. And it's a cool space that has a big theater. It can fit a couple hundred people. Um, we can also have like a dance in there. We also have another space that's like a smaller room. It's kind of like a bar kind of room that we can have smaller concerts and talks and stuff. So we're doing a two-day festival with concerts in the evening on Friday. And then Saturday afternoon we'll have workshops and jams, you know, learn how to flat foot or play banjo or maybe make a cranky or something. Yeah. You know, all the old timey things that people are into these days. And, uh, and then we'll do in the evening, probably have a big square dance. So it's a whole weekend of, we're bringing in some national bands, Molsky's Mountain Drifters and Corn Potato String Band, this, this great duo out of Kentucky called the Local Honeys. Yeah. And my father and I will be playing a set as well with our Rachel Eddy and, and Alex, uh, Alex Lacklemont actually will not be there, sadly. He'll be on tour with his other band. But yeah, we're going to have a... I know. <laughs> Boo, Alex. No, he's, he's, he's great. He, he would love to be there, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so we, we have a, a... that's We're in the planning stages of just starting to get the word out. Right we have a really a nice supporter who's funding a good chunk of the festival yeah. um, named Susan Goldstein, and she's been really helpful. And she's uh, She plays hammer dulcimer and, and learning guitar. She's a student of my dad's, and she's all about you know getting this festival off the ground and helping out with us um, so we're working very closely with this venue the creative alliance to put together this indoor old-time festival next year and bring in national bands and you know expose this music to more people and uh, we also oh, we also have uh, Jake Jake Blunt will be there he's gonna do uh, do a set and uh, you know we'll probably have some discussions about the old you know old-time music and its roots and where it comes from and its role in today's yeah you know not not just all the the happy positive things about the music but yeah. also the very serious sides of the music as well and, and providing that platform i think is going to be it'll be a fun fun adventure a good challenge yeah awesome this sounds great i definitely want to come did you when do you say you think it's i think going it's going to be uh march 22nd and 23rd it's okay. friday and saturday right on so if you're back from oregon or wherever you're i'll try to make it out if i can yeah <laughs> Yeah, it was kind of inspired by some of those uh, indoor uh, winter festivals like the Portland Old Time yeah, Gathering yeah, yeah. or the Berkeley Old Time Music Convention. Um, there's a couple others out there that um, kind of inspired by that. It'd be fun to just have that here in town. We have a big bluegrass festival in town, but it'd be nice to have more of an old time yeah. focused festival. So you're going to play a, a banjo solo? Yeah, I think I'll do this. I just worked this up this morning um, thinking about what to play on the show. It's a tune that I actually recorded with my dad on our first album. It's called Ithaca and Ash, and it's a tune I wrote while I was in school in Ithaca. That was where I uh, really got the old-time bug. Was was uh, yeah. I didn't start playing banjo until I was 17. I was just like finishing up high school. And when I went to Ithaca for college, I studied radio and television broadcasting. And I wasn't expecting... I didn't have any idea that Ithaca was such a hotbed for old time music. Yeah. And my first banjo teacher, Richie Stearns, um, taught me the basics of claw hammer at this music camp in Maine like a year earlier. And I was just looking around at colleges at the time and I didn't even make the connection right away yeah. <laughs> that, that, you know, I learned like a couple basic moves for claw hammer from Richie. And then he was, lives in this little town in central New York. And so when I went to school there, I, uh, I started to take a, a few lessons from Richie, and when I started playing fiddle, I, I took a couple lessons from Judy Hyman of the Horseflies, and uh, Richie's always been a big influence um, on my my playing. And uh, 
I was actually borrowing a five string guitar of his. He had he has a he plays a tenor guitar, yeah, tuned like a banjo. Oh, cool. Um, but he also plays. He had a five string guitar that he strung up like a banjo, so it still had that that drone string. Yeah, and he let me borrow it kind of indefinitely for like maybe a good year or two, and maybe he forgot that I had it. <laughs> But he didn't seem to mind that I had it, was yeah. holding on to it for so long. So I would sit in my dorm room and just noodle around on this guitar, which had these, you know, a guitar is a bit more sustained than a banjo. So I think I wrote this tune borrowing, you know, Richie's uh, five-string guitar. And I asked a friend down the hall to name the tune. I didn't have a, a good name for it. So he called it Ithacan Ash. And we'll see how it goes. I haven't played this in a while, at least three or four years. C minor, for those of you keeping score at home. Yeah. We're tuned in double C tuning, G, C, G, C, D. This double C tuning is great for playing those happy major tunes, but 
Yeah, the spooky minor tunes really grabbed me when I was first playing Clawhammer. I really like the way that the banjo just has that haunting kind of feel yeah. as well. It can be such a happy and joyful instrument, but I don't know, maybe it was a, a really dark and snowy day when I wrote yeah. it, which is very likely because Ithaca is very dark, <laughs> dark and gray for a good chunk of the year, but it is a beautiful place otherwise. Cool tune, man. Thank you. Well, um, where can people find your music? So I've got a, a website. You can go to my website directly, bradkleidner.com. Yeah. I have a lot of uh, videos and tabs and things if you're interested in learning banjo uh, on my on website. Um, that's also where I have my schedule. I play with my father quite a bit. We do maybe 30, 40 shows a year. Yeah. Uh, we're playing a little old-time festival up in uh, Maiden Creek, uh, oh, Pennsylvania, uh, tomorrow. And, awesome. um That'll be well after this is broadcast, yeah, for yeah. sure. Sorry. But uh, yeah, we, we perform uh, all over the region and uh, play around the country a fair bit as well. Uh, we just finished up a little Canadian tour earlier this spring. And uh, I play with Trump Sea Junction. We do about 15, 20 shows a year. We'll be heading up to Maine this August to play at the American Folk Festival. And we uh, you know, try to play as much as we can. We'll be down in Raleigh, North Carolina at the IVMA convention in September. Uh, and you can go to my website, bradcollider.com or trumpseyjunction.com for that group. Um, we have a new album with Trumpsey Junction. That's probably the biggest news. Yeah. And I'm really happy with how it turned out. It's called Duck Pin, and it features a uh, you know, bunch of old-time Irish and bluegrass-inspired melodies, some original tunes and traditional stuff as well. We sing as well. And, uh, yeah, that new, new record's... Uh, self-released and you can just go to our website and find it um it's out there on you know itunes and spotify yeah and yeah uh that's that's it come on down to baltimore and visit us sometime we've got our jam every other tuesday night anyone's welcome to just join we have upwards of like 50 people who play in the jam and we do a slow jam as well to bring in new players yeah and then a lot of folks just come and listen and like you know have a drink and, and eat food while they're listening to us sound like a big swarm of bees playing yeah. the same <laughs> tune over and over again um uh, and uh, yeah, if you're in the neighborhood, come on by for the, the Old Time Festival next next March. Right on. Hopefully that's an annual event. We'll see how it goes. But we're hoping for a few hundred people. First year, maybe 500 is the goal. So we'll see if we can pull that many people out. Uh, you know, some new and old old time music bands. Um, and yeah, hope to cross paths with you again, Cameron. Sometime. Yeah, In the summer, you're going to be at Clifftop? I'll be at Clifftop. Of yeah, I'll see you there. That was that was the place where my interest in this music was cemented. Yeah, me too. No question. <laughs> Clifftop <laughs> is my favorite. It's like, oh, so I'm going to I'm gonna do this for the rest of my life. Great. Yep. Now I know. Okay, great. great. I'm right, going right. to sit in the woods every week in early yeah. August and just not <laughs> sleep and just play tunes with yeah. people I can't even see their faces in pitch black sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. It's that, That's a magical place. Um, so... Cool. How about, uh, you want to close out with a tune here on the gourd banjo? Yes, please. So Baltimore has quite a, an interesting history with regards to banjos. Um, a couple years ago, there was a really great exhibit here at this uh, place called the Baltimore Museum of Industry that was organized by a couple of banjo historians and players, builders, um, Greg Adams, great uh, uh, historian of the banjo, works for the Smithsonian um, down in D.C., and... Uh, uh, Pete Ross, who lives here in town in Baltimore, he, along with uh, Bob Wine, and a couple other folks as well, were involved with putting this together. And uh, it was a history of the banjo, and particularly its connection to Baltimore. Yeah. And the banjo um, originally was first commercially made here in Baltimore. That's where the, the you know the first like um, this William Boucher 
uh, German immigrant who had a shop downtown Baltimore building drums for the military and saw a, a growing market for banjos and started to uh, build banjos, just adding the neck to the drums he was already making. And um, this instrument here, this gourd banjo, is made by, um, well, this one was made by Pete Ross, I mentioned earlier, he lives right around the corner. And he's sort of the right-hand man for Kevin Enoch, who's a great open-back banjo builder. And Pete Ross um, built this with some specifications that, of mine. I, I wanted to have a headstock that looked like one of those early Boucher banjos. Yeah. Just to kind of, a little nod to Baltimore, um, yeah. being my hometown. And I was certainly not aware that the banjo came from came from Baltimore. I mean, it, of course, the banjo well, an African instrument, but it, it, it roots in Africa for sure. And... Uh, at least the commercialization of the banjo yeah. um, here in, in Baltimore when it was first first mass produced. And uh, it's fretless, it has a walnut neck, it has these nylon strings and a big calabash, um, this big head that's got a really deep tone. Um, what is a calabash? It's just, it's, I think it's, I think it's, I mean, like, maybe it's in the gourd family. Uh -huh. I could be, I could be wrong. Someone out there will probably correct me, but... Huh. Um, I think it's it's very similar to a gourd in that um, it's in that family I I, I guess um, and it, it's really it's a thick this one's very thick it's probably like an almost an inch thick or maybe three hmm. quarters of an inch thick so it's a it's a not a heavy instrument but it's a it's got just like a really heavy tone like a really warm deep sound and then it has this uh, goatskin head and um, I think it's a beautiful instrument Pete Pete's an incredible builder and he does just great work with Kevin Enoch and building his own open back banjos and these gourds are just they're beautiful so I'm this is like a little baby I yeah. love this gourd banjo <laughs> and it's a little out of tune yeah. so I'm gonna get this we're in gear what, what? G right G um, here's a tune that we play at our local old time jam all the time it's called Sadie at the back door
Sorry, I've been addicted to this major six chord. That's amazing. Sounds, <laughs> sounds horrible. Oh, man. You can buy Charm City Junction's new album, Duck Pin, and check their tour dates at charmcityjunction.com. If you're in the Baltimore area, make sure to visit bemoreoldtime.com and sign up for the mailing list. That's the letter B, followed by the word more, and then oldtime.com. It's a great resource for all the area's old-time and old-time-adjacent events like square dances, jams, and shows, including the shows that Brad hosts at the Tater Patch. You should also join the Facebook groups for the Baltimore Old-Time Jam and Square Dance in Hamden. And if you are subscribed to all these online resources, you'll get updates on the Baltimore Old-Time Festival, which will take place next March. I hope to see you there. Make sure to tune into the Brad Claudner Show and Old Time Jam on 88.5 Bluegrass Country, or if you're not in the D.C. area, go to bluegrasscountry.org and listen online. Brad is an avid consumer of traditional and neo-traditional music, and chances are, if you listen, he'll introduce you to some artists that you didn't know about that you will absolutely fall in love with. If you want to support Get Up in the Cool and get exclusive bonus content, go to CameronDoIt.com and click the Patreon button, then choose a support level that works for you and your budget. You can sign up for an on-air shout-out, the weekly bonus track, online banjo workshops, and access to the Get Up in the Cool tune archive, featuring every tune and song ever played on the show, tagged, organized, and separated from the dialogue for your digital music library. Thanks to all my Patreon supporters for keeping the show going. I'm editing this early before I leave for Clifftop, so I don't know who signed up since last week, but I'll make sure to give you a shout-out on the next episode. If you would rather support the show a year at a time instead of month-to-month, you can purchase Patreon rewards in bulk at a discount. Just go to getupinthecool.com and click the store button. While you're there, buy a telegram. Choose the personal option to wish another listener a happy anniversary or birthday or just make some sort of old-time inside joke. Uh, And I'll read your message out loud in the intro to the show. Or choose the promotional option and sponsor the show. I'd love to read some ad copy for your music festival, website, band, business, whatever you do. I want everyone to know about it. If you want to book me for your square dance, festival, or music camp, or take Skype banjo lessons with me, go to getupinthecool.com and click contact. Also on that website are links to my albums, including Get Up In The Cool Volume 2, which is now available as a CD or digital download. Make sure to check out my other podcast, Think Outside The Box Set, available wherever you like to get your podcasts. If you're having trouble finding anything I mentioned in this outro, it's all linked in the show notes on your device, getupinthecool.com, and the Facebook page and group, which you should like, follow, and join. All right, that's all for now. Thanks for listening, friends. Come back same time next week to get up in the cool.